You're listening to the Faith Roots Audio Podcast with Pastor Willie George. You can watch the full video version of this episode and join the conversation with your comments on the Faith Roots YouTube channel. Simply search Faith Roots on YouTube and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Now, here's Pastor Willie George with today's message. Hello, I'm Willie George. Welcome to this edition of the Faith Roots Podcast. And we're talking about Psalm 12. It's our text for this week. Let's go ahead and get right into it. Help, Lord, for the godly man ceases, for the faithful disappear from among the sons of men. Godly leaders are removed. They no longer have the influence they once had in a country. Then, as a result, the people, the sons of men, speak idly, everyone with his neighbor. With flattering lips and a double heart they speak. So this is talking about a culture where words pardon me, reign supreme. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaks proud things who've said, with our tongue we will prevail. Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? For the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy, now I will arise, says the Lord. I will set him in the safety for which he yearns. The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. You shall keep them, O Lord. You shall preserve them from this generation forever. The wicked prowl. One translation says strut, and I think that's apt. The wicked strut on every side when vileness is exalted among the sons of men. Now, if anybody suffered in a generation like this, it would have been Joseph, the boy who had the coat of many colors. He suffered because of what his brothers did to him. Even though he suffered, Joseph learned to keep his eyes on the Lord. And he decided that on a daily basis, he was going to make the most of the cards that had been dealt to him. So every day he poured himself into his job. He did it as though he was making all the money in the world. He poured everything he had, all of his heart, his focus, his intellect, all of it in. Joseph very quickly picked up four very necessary skills. He picked up, number one, the Egyptian culture. If you are going to be a leader of any group of people, you can't do it without understanding thoroughly the culture of that people. Number two, he picked up the language. Joseph spoke the Egyptian tongue so well that later when his Hebrew brothers came to where he was, they thought he was Egyptian. They didn't recognize him, and they couldn't pick up a trace of Hebrew influence in the way that he spoke. So he thoroughly mastered the Egyptian language. Number three, all those years Joseph became an expert in food service. And that's what he was ultimately going to do for Pharaoh is run the entire program of agriculture in all the land of Egypt. Well, in order to do that, you would need to have knowledge of food service beginning with a basic Egyptian meal, how much food it takes to feed a household, what that food consumption rate would be, be to be able to multiply it among the whole population, Joseph had that down. And then lastly, being in prison, dealing with hardened criminals, Joseph knew how to lead people. And he knew how to stand up 
to people who could be pushy. And when you have hunger involved and people need food, it's easy for people to become dishonest. They very much do that. Now, everything that happened to Joseph facilitated his exaltation. I think somewhere along the way he realized that. In other words, when his brothers sold him into slavery, they might not have realized it, but they were actually pushing him toward the fulfillment of his dreams. He couldn't be the leader that he was going to be had he stayed in Canaan. It only could happen if he went to a place where there was great power. And when he was pushed out of Canaan, sold as a slave and put into Egypt, he winds up being only one person removed from the most powerful man in the world. He is sold as a slave to Potiphar, who works directly for Pharaoh, the king of all Egypt. And so here is Joseph very near to the seat of power. Now he's a roundabout way to get to the top, but nonetheless he's close to it. He's certainly not going to be able to find his way to that position of power by living in a distant country. So the brothers don't know it, but everything they meant for harm to Joseph was actually something that they meant for good. And we all know the story that Joseph was exalted and he was promoted in one day from the dungeon to being Pharaoh's director of agriculture. Joseph didn't get promoted just because Pharaoh liked him. He was promoted because Joseph had all the skills. Listen to me, Pharaoh runs a country, he's a king. He's not going to be a king very long if he puts people in charge of things who don't know what they're doing. He could tell by listening to Joseph. And by the way, Pharaoh had generals. He had military leaders. He had doctors. He had, he had architects. Egypt was a great building society. Do you think that he was not around skilled people? Pharaoh recognized skill and ingenuity when he saw it and heard it, and Joseph had it. And so that's why he was willing to put him in charge of all of Egypt's agriculture. And Joseph did a great job. Now, this is what Joseph said when this happened. This is Genesis 41, verses 50, 51, 52 from the New Living Translation. During this time, before the arrival of the first of the famine years, two sons were born to Joseph and his wife, Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, the priest of Heliopolis. Joseph named his older son Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all my troubles and the family of my father. Joseph named his second son Ephraim, for he said, God has made me fruitful in this land of my suffering. In other words, when God steps in, he turns around things so completely that it makes us forget the years and the long period of time that we suffered. And Joseph, by the way, reigned many, many more years in strength than he did in the suffering. The suffering was a short period of his life comparatively. Now, at the time, it may have seemed like a long time, but it was about 13 years. And really was very similar to the time frame that you would need to go to school to get an education, to learn and to be developed for the position that he held. So it was a forced learning experience, but God turned it. And when God does turn these things, it's just incredible how he does it and how quickly he does it. 
I heard the testimony of a pastor some years ago, back in the early 90s. This has been, golly, 30 years ago. He was from East Germany, the, but now Germany's unified by the time I heard this story. And he told the story of how the Berlin Wall fell and what it was like as a Christian in East Germany who lived under constant surveillance from the state police, who was persecuted relentlessly for his faith. And then the wall falls, and the former leader of East Germany, Eric Honecker, is thrown out of the presidential palace. He has nowhere to live. He is hounded and persecuted. He's out on the streets everywhere he goes. Mobs of people are throwing rocks at him and yelling and screaming and cursing him. And so this pastor feels compassion for this former communist leader. And he goes out and finds him and takes the man into his home. And here... He is in the place of superiority and power. Now he is showing kindness to a man who was cruel to him. He didn't say that Honecker converted and became a believer, but he definitely had the position of superiority above this man, and who would ever have guessed it? Wow! God can turn things around that are seemingly hopeless Now, what we have here in Psalm 12, 7 and 8, is a description of a land that is hopeless until God turns it around. Therefore, Lord, we know you will protect the oppressed, preserving them forever from this lying generation, even though the wicked strut about and the evil is praised throughout the land. Uh, The New King James Version says the wicked prowl on every side or they strut on every side when vileness is exalted among the sons of men. Here's what happens. God has a habit of allowing the wicked to come out into the open to the point that they are strutting and on full display before he lowers the boom and pulls the rug out from under them. And when that happens, they're so embarrassed and they're humiliated. And it's what happens to proud people. God says that the proud will fall, the haughty will fall, that pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before fall. And so when proud people begin to strut, look out. It's only a matter of time. Jesus said it too. He said that if you exalt yourself, you will be abased. But if you abase yourself, you'll be exalted. So he says it is inevitable. Proud people who defy God are going to be humiliated and brought low. Impossible. It will happen. And get ready. You're going to see it happen wholesale in our country. I want to thank you for watching our podcast today. And if you really liked it, would you please give us a little thumbs up by clicking on that sign down below. And then I would encourage you to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss any of our future podcasts because they're all going to be good. And if you would like to support us financially, either with a one-time gift or recurring gift, you can do that by clicking on the link below are going to myfaithroots.com. Thank you so much for watching this program. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Ratings and reviews help us reach more people. So take a moment to leave a review on your podcast app 
and consider sharing an episode with a friend or family member that needs to be built up and encouraged in the Lord today. Thank you for listening.